Good morning. My name is Caesar. I'm one of the pastors here, also the pastor for Celebrate Recovery. It's a blessing to be here with you this morning. Um, I'm really excited this morning because the Sooners beat the Horn Frogs. <laughs> you know, I had to preach last night, and um, I got a call from the chaplain uh, at Oklahoma, and he said, "Hey, you know, we're coming to town." He said, uh, "He said we got tickets." Uh, and I can I can put you some tickets in will call. And I was like, oh, man. And I looked at the calendar. I was like, oh, I got to preach. <laughs> and I thought about calling Pastor Johnny and going, <coughs> a little frog in my throat. But I, I was concerned that somebody had me on Facebook going, ah. <laughs> Had to explain all that away, you know. <laughs> it was a body double. It was an actor. It wasn't me. <laughs> well, it is a blessing to be here uh, with you this morning to be able to share a word with you. Um, I, before I share with you the message, I want to share for a few moments from this particular passage that comes from Philippians two, one through eleven. Will you prepare your hearts now as you as, as we prepare our hearts to listen for? And listen to the word of God. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility Value others be, be above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the other. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ, that Jesus is Lord to the glory of our God, the Father. This is the word of God, and you can respond by saying, thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your amazing grace that meets us once again in this most holy place. God, we pray now that you would send your Holy Spirit to breathe into us your breath of life. God, we pray that you would remind us that there is nothing that can separate us from your amazing grace that your love is more powerful than the sin that seeks to separate us from you. So God, we pray that you would rescue me from me and that you would rescue all of us from ourselves, that you would hide me and hide all of us behind your cross, that we might see you lifted up and glorified. And then God, we will be mindful in all things to give you all praise, honor, and glory. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Will you think with me? For a few minutes on this thought, sold out to sacrificial living. As we continue to reflect on our sermon series, Family Matters, and how it calls us to consider our relationship with God and one another in the world, 
I can't help but think how important this series is to the mission of this church to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world and how that very mission is tied to the mission of the United Methodist Church and the broader faith community to make disciples of Jesus Christ who love God, love others, and serve the world and how both of those missions find themselves undergirded and connected to the great commission that Jesus calls his disciples to in Matthew 28 and 19, where Jesus says these words, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey, to obey everything I have commanded you. Yes, when I consider our mission as a church and how that mission is connected to Jesus's great commission, I can't help but feel deep in my soul and spirit an apostolic kinship to the original hearers of this word and what Jesus was calling them and all of us to. Yes, if I am to take seriously my faith and if I am to take seriously the mission of this church and if I am to take seriously my apostolic kinship to the disciples that Jesus was talking to, then I know that I have no other choice but to go and be radically engaged with a hurting and broken world that so desperately needs to feel and see and hear the love of Christ. Yes, my brothers and sisters, if my faith means something to me, if my faith is going to mean something to this world, then I must be willing to bring all of me, all of my strengths and weaknesses, all of my gifts and grace, and as a pastor of Celebrate Recovery, all of my hurts, my habits, and my hang-ups to be used by God to bring healing and wholeness into a broken world. It's broken by sin thus to become this instrument of healing and peace, means that I have to sell out, that I have to give everything to God for God's use, that I must be willing to be fully seen and to be fully known by God and those around me, that I have to be willing to give my whole heart to God, to sell out and to give my whole life to God for sacrificial living so that God's grace can be made known in my life and through my life so that I can become a conduit of God's amazing grace in this world. I love the prayer. I love this prayer by Frank Assisi's. It says this, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon where there is doubt, faith, where there is despair, hope, where there is darkness, light, where there is sadness, joy. O oh, divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, and to be loved as to love, for it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Love what James 2.14 says to us in regards to our faithfulness, in regards to our faithfulness and service to the world. James says this, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? 
Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you say to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but, but, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by actions, is dead. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. In other words, we cannot be faithful to the grace of God in our lives without being faithful in service to the world. So when I consider what it means to be a faithful member of the family of Christ and what it means to be a part of the mission of First United Methodist Church, I can't help but know it, but know the call that has been placed on my life to go and be transformative in a world that so desperately needs to feel God's grace that I am a part of that call. Having said that, having said that, I must also say and confess that as a faithful believer in Jesus Christ who struggles with this human condition that selling out for the cause of Christ is not as easy and comfortable as I hope and then as I want it to be. In fact, it produces lots of anxiety in me because it requires that, that I bring everything that I have and that I lay it on the line and that I trust God with my whole life. Thus, selling out means that I consciously choose to give my life to the will of God and trust that God will take care of the precious life that I have. This anxiety... This anxiety is the struggle that I struggle with every day. I, I struggle with this anxiety every day. I, I, I tell people I wake up in the morning with Jesus in the car, and as soon as somebody pulls out in front of me, I throw Jesus out along with all the disciples. And I'm so thankful for the serenity prayer because it saves me all the time. When somebody pulls out, I go, God grant me the serenity. But I'm reminded of my own human weakness and how weak I am and how vulnerable I am and how much I need God's grace in my life. The good news, the good news for us is that God's love never leaves us. God's love is always with us. And the good news is that God don't need a whole lot to use. I'm so thankful for that. I think of my own life. I, I, I think of the passage in Matthew 17, 20. It says this, if you have a faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, be moved, be removed, and it will be cast into the sea. I'm so thankful that God doesn't need a whole lot to use to make God's presence known in the world. When I think about where I came from, and I was born in Kansas City, and I, I lived in the projects in, in Kansas City in public housing, and I, I remember um, the, the elementary school that I, that I went to, that I attended, Stan, Stanley Elementary. Uh, and I remember, uh, you know, after I had got done playing college football, I got drafted by Chicago Bears. I was so excited about that opportunity. And I remember going back, traveling back to Kansas City and going to the old neighborhood where I went to and then going to my old high school, I mean, my old uh, elementary school. And I remember walking into the elementary school and going to the principal's office and telling the principal's office, my name is Caesar. I, I, went, I went to elementary school here. And I remember telling them, 
the, the, the principal, you know, get kind of where, what I had done. I graduated from college, and, and he was really impressed. And I said, and I just signed a contract with the Bears. And I said, you know, and I, I just, you know, I was, I was here, and I just wanted to see if my second-grade teacher was still teaching. And he said, who was your second-grade teacher? I said, Miss Emerson. And he says, oh, yeah, she's still here, and she still teaches the second grade. He said, let's go down there and see if she would be she would be delighted to see you. And I remember I walked down there with the principal and we knocked on the door and Mrs. Emerson opens the door and she looks and she, she says, Caesar Renty. She said, Ooh, you were bad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm so thankful that God only needs a mustard seed of faith to make God's presence known in the world, that God doesn't need a whole lot to make God's presence known in the world. But what God requires of me is to bring all of me to the table so that God may use it for God's glorious work. So the question for us is how do we as a people of faith move to this place where we are radically sold out for the cause of Christ and love. How do we move to this place where we are called out and, and to live and sold out for the radical cause of Christ's love? The first thing, the first thing that we must do and that we must be, be ready to do is to take on the mindset of Christ. To take on the mindset of Christ means that we live our lives with agape, that we are willing to live our lives with true spiritual love. Agape is that love that seeks creative, redemptive goodwill for all of humanity. As Martin Luther King says, it is a creative, redemptive goodwill. It is a love that is constantly seeking to find us wherever we are, and it is seeking to produce goodwill in our lives wherever we are. And it's radical in its nature. I love what Jesus says, verses 1 and 2 says this in the passage, it says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort comes from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind, and and, and and in our relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. Taking on the mindset of Christ means seeking and following the ways of agape, which seeks for all of humanity, creative, redemptive goodwill. Jesus says this to his disciples, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And then the second is this, love your neighbor as you love yourself. The second thing that we must be willing to do if we are going to be radically sold out for the cause of Christ is that we must be ready to share power with those whom we don't feel comfortable with. We have to be willing to share power with those that we don't feel comfortable with. Verses 3 and 5 says this, do not let, do not, do nothing of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value one another above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the other. Sharing power is the root of radical relationship. 
Sharing power is the root of radical relationship. And if we are truly going to live out this mission to transform the world and share the gospel with Jesus, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the world and that amazing grace that's found in that gospel, if we are truly going to live out the gospel, then we have to be willing, we have to be willing to share power with those we feel uncomfortable with. I remember when the shootings happened in Dallas, when we lost the police officers there. And as I work in Methodist Central in Dallas, and, and I had several co-workers that had stopped by my office just, just to spend time to talk and, and try to figure out what was going on uh, with all the violence that was happening, happening around us. And I remember as we began to have our conversation about, about this, they, they, they began to ask questions about themselves. What is it that we can do? What is it that I can do? And I said to them, the thing that you can do is you can be in radical relationship. You can share your power with someone else that you feel uncomfortable with. It means that you might have to go in and be in relationship with somebody who is in Black Lives Matter, that you might have to be in relationship with someone who is in Blue Lives Matter. You might have to be in radical relationship and see the, see the point of view from the other side, the willingness to be in radical relationship with each other. And then I said to them, consider this. God is in radical relationship with us. God, the creator of the universe, God who spoke the world and the universe into being with just the words of his mouth, this same God who created Adam out of the dust of the earth and breathed into him the breath of life, this same God who had all of this power and saw our brokenness and then gave his only begotten son and sent him to die on the cross for us. And in all of his power, chose to let us have the choice to have the power to choose whether we want to believe or not. And yet he stands at the door and knocks. If we're going to be all that God has called us to be, it calls it we, and if we want this beloved community, it calls it we, that we live in radical relationship with each other and that we are willing to share power with one another. The third thing we need to recognize if we're going to sell out for the cause of Christ, we must recognize our common humanity in a dangerous world. Verse 6 says this, He who being the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his, his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. The willingness, the willingness to recognize our common humanity gives us the ability to empathize with the other. It gives us the ability to see the pain in the other. It gives us the ability to, to recognize and see the pain in the world and, 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 and know that God's presence can be made known through our relationship 
with them. In fact, it's one of the things I love about First United Methodist Church Mansfield, that the ethos of this church is about mission, that, that this church is driven by mission. And I mean, there are so many things, there are so many opportunities to be involved in mission inside the church and outside the church. And that this church is driven by this simple concept, that, this, that it's, it's driven by the simple concept of loving God, loving others for the transformation of the world, that it seeks to empathize with the broken world, that it seeks to make its presence known or God's presence known through the service that it provides to a broken world. And if we're going to be faithful in the calls that God place and places on each one of our lives, it requires, it requires that we see a common humanity in all of us. Finally, the last thing, if we are going to have that beloved community, and if we are going to be sold out for the cause of Christ, then we must be willing to suffer for the sake of love. We must be willing to suffer for the sake of love. Now, I'd be the first to tell you, I, don't, I, I really don't like suffering. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't like pain. I used to hate that no pain, no gain stuff when the coach would say, no pain, no gain. I'm like, well, you come run this. <laughs> and I really don't like suffering. I, I don't want to, to be uncomfortable. But, but but God calls each one of us to come and to bear the cross of Christ, that we all take part in suffering for the cause of love so that God's presence is made known in the world. Martin Luther King Jr. puts it this way. He says this, if a man or if a person hasn't found something in which to die for, that person isn't fit to live. I remember how this became true for me in my life. When my oldest daughter was born, I, I remember it was on a Monday night. Uh, the, the, the Miami Dolphins and the Kansas City Chiefs were playing football that night. And, uh, and every time that, 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 um, that, that Kara's mother pushed, my team scored. And so I was like, just time it when, you know, my team has the ball. <laughs> And I remember the night that Kara was born. I remember as, as, as she was born and she was delivered, how the nurses had prepared her and wrapped her and, and cleaned her and wrapped her. And, and I remember them handing her to me, and I'm looking deep in her eyes, and I'm looking at her, and she's agitated, and she's crying. And, and I'm, you know, looking at her mother, and I'm, I'm looking at this life that I'm holding in my hands. And I realized for the first time, there was something that I would die for, something that I would be willing to suffer for, something that I would be willing to suffer for because my future and hope was there. If we're going to be all that God has called us to be, if we're going to be the people that God has called us to be, then it requires that we are willing to suffer for the cause of love. This became true for me this uh, past week. I was out in 
Colorado Springs in Divide, Colorado at an equine therapy ranch. It was kind of a spiritual retreat with a group of other chaplains from all over the country, army chaplains, prison chaplains, hospital chaplains from all over the country with the United Methodist Church out in Divide, Colorado on, a, on an equine uh, ranch with, with horses. And while I was out there on that ranch, it was a spiritual retreat, and, and they used these horses as therapy and, and use these horses as a way to communicate and, and to see what God is saying to you. And I remember as I, as I got there, there's, uh, there's this, this, there are two big uh, Belgium drafts horses, and one was named Isaac, and the other one is named Sonny. And Isaac is the blonde hair one, and Sonny is the, is the, is the brown-haired draft horse. And Isaac is the leader, was the leader of the herd. And I remember as I got there, there was a question asked me, what is it that you want to get from your time there? And I said, I, I, I said, you know, I'm I'm, I'm looking and, and, and the question that keeps coming to mind or the, the statement that keeps coming to mind for me is radical hospitality. I want to know how to, to, to live this in my life. And so as we worked our way through these events, as we, we worked our way in this, in this thing, each arena had a different exercise that we worked with the horses. And I remember I got ready to, to go and work with Isaac. And, and as I walked in and, and uh, the, the Rachel, who was the lady in the picture with me, as I, as I walked in um, into the, the arena with, with Isaac, she said, we're going to take Isaac through all of these different exercises and then we'll bring them back and then you do the same. And so I, I watched Rachel do this with ease. She walked Isaac through all of this stuff and then ended up at this big, big barrel. And Isaac jumps up on this barrel and he does it all so beautiful. And I was like, okay, my turn. So I grabbed Isaac's lead and I got ready to move and I moved, but Isaac stayed still. <laughs> I moved and I I rubbed Isaac a little bit, and I, I, I said, come on, let, let, let's go do this. And so I got ready to take off, and he, he, he had his head way up high, and he, he was not moving. And so Rachel invited me to stop, and she said, what do you think Isaac is saying to you? She said, what is it that you need to know about yourself in this moment? And I said to, to Rachel, I said, well, you know, I said, I said, right now, I said, you know, I I said, what I'm thinking about is just getting through this task. I just want to get done with, with all of this stuff, but Isaac's not cooperating. And I said, but, you know, I said, really what I feel is insecure. I said, you know, I used to work on a horse ranch, and I said, Isaac reminds me of this horse that I used to work with whose name was Boss. He was a big thoroughbred, and I used to, used to work on this ranch, and I, and I would clean out all of these stalls, and I would clean out each stall. I wouldn't have a problem with any horse until I got to Boss's stall, and it was a fight to get Boss out of the stall and into the, onto the walker. And he would always try to step on my, my feet. He'd always try to bite me. Or he was always doing something. And I said, and to be honest with you, I'm carrying all of that here. And about that time, Isaac moves his head from here to here, and he starts licking his lips, which is a sign that he's feeling good. And then Rachel says... I think Isaac agrees. And she said, what is it that you need to know? And I said to her that I need to be in relationship with Isaac. 
that the beginning of this, the beginning of starting this task of doing anything begins with relationship. So I hugged him. (laughs) And I thanked him. And then, at the end of the day, Isaac and I walked out onto the field and I let him go. I don't know what it is that, that keeps you where you are. But here's what I hope that you will know and that you will hear. Is that there is a God who stands ready to be in radical relationship with each one of us. So that we can be in radical relationship with a world that so desperately needs to feel God's love. My hope My hope is that you will surrender yourself to God's amazing grace and love so that your hurts, your habits, your hang-ups, whatever it is, can be used for the glory of God. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your amazing grace that meets us once again in this most holy place. God, we thank you for your radical, radical love that constantly reminds us that there is nothing that will separate us from you. So God, we pray, we pray this day that you would be with us, that you would send your Holy Spirit to breathe into us your breath of life, that we may be all that you called us to be. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.